Good morning, dear Sangha. Today we have uh, a session of questions and answers. And uh, it will last about one hour and a half. Uh, those of you who would like uh, to ask a question may are invited to come here and sit close to Thay. And you will take a turn to sit on that uh, chair so that everyone can see you when you ask the question. And of course, uh, you ask the question of your heart, uh, a real question about the practice having to do with uh, suffering, difficulties, happiness, hope, and so on. And we know that a good question can profit uh, many people. And we also know that a good question does not need to be very long. In the case uh, uh, you don't comfortable uh, uh, sitting here, uh, you might like to write down uh, the question on a sheet of paper and have someone uh, brought here to Sister Tung Nghiem, Sister Pai, and she will read it. And from, to time, from time to time, we take one question uh, uh, that has been uh, written down on a sheet of paper. And uh, those uh, of you who come from who, who come for the first time to such a retreat are encouraged to come forward and ask questions. There are those of us who have attended so many retreats already, and we should allow our, uh, our new uh, brothers and sisters in the Dharma to have a chance to ask a question. <laughs> So uh, please, if you have a question, please uh, slowly come up here and sit around Thay. Before we ask uh, a question, um, we breathe in and out uh, with uh, one sound on the bell. And after that, we are calm enough, we are clear enough to ask the question. Today is May the 10th. In the year 2008, we are in Hanoi with our retreat, Engage Buddhism in the 21st Century. We have a session of uh, questions and answers now, and this is uh, the first question. Let's enjoy our breathing. How would applied Buddhism look to the healthcare profession? Healthcare profession. As uh, a health uh, professional, 
uh, you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of other people. Uh, you have to uh, to know your limit in order to avoid uh, burning out. You have to get enough uh, nourishment and healing for yourself uh, in order to go far. So taking care of ourselves, bringing the practice in our daily life and the life of a family is to to uh, to have the condition to help uh, for a long time. And uh, you show yourself at, at, as an example uh, for those uh, who come to you and get the help. So uh, the helping, the health... Um, uh, uh, helping a professional should uh, embody embody the practice and we know that um, we know that uh, the intervention of uh, medicine the intervention of uh, the doctor uh, can have an immediate, immediate uh, effect, but if the person uh, does not change his or her way of, live, of living, and then uh, they will have uh, the same kind of difficulty and problems again and again. So we should tell, tell them that uh, using medicines is okay, uh, but uh, we should change our way of life in order uh, in later on you don't have to use uh, medicines and you don't have to uh, to, uh, to to get the help of other people and I think uh, um, doctors and nurses and psychotherapists they have to come together and form their own Sangha uh, to take refuge in and to practice, <coughs> to maintain the practice. And that is not for ourselves alone, but for the people who want to help. So the Sangha is uh, very important. A Sangha of doctors, a Sangha of uh, um, Nurses, a sangha of uh, health professionals is a very important. They should practice maintaining their balance, their health, their joy, uh, their compassion, so that they can uh, go uh, on for a long time. Thank you. The young people are encouraged to come and ask their questions.
How do you deal with guilt? All of us uh, make mistakes. All of us are skillful at times. And we may have uh, created uh, suffering in the past. But uh, if you know the Dharma, if you know the practice, uh, we should not be, uh, we should not uh, uh, we, uh, we should not be the victim of the feeling of guilt, because in the present moment, there is always a possibility of doing something saying something in order to neutralize uh, what we have done in the past. When we say that the past is already gone, that is only a way of saying the past is still there, disguised as the present. And if uh, if, uh, you touch the present moment deeply, you can touch the past. Suppose in the past uh, you did say something not very kind to your grandma and now you regret but she is no longer alive. You cannot come to her and say, Grandma, I'm sorry, I have said that to you. So you go back to the present moment and breathe in and out deeply and recognize the, the fact that your grandma is still alive in every cell of your body. And that is true. You are a continuation of your grandma, your grandpa and son. So she is still alive in every cell of your body. And with that insight, you address her. Dear grandma, I regret for having said such a thing to you. I promise to you that from now on, I will not say such a thing to anyone. And after you have said that to her, you can see her smiling to you, and you deal, uh, you uh, you uh, transform, you delete the wrong uh, thing you have done in the past. You can see transformation and healing taking place right in the present moment. Uh, while uh, practicing with uh, Vietnam War veterans. We listened to many stories of atrocities they committed, they had committed in Vietnam. And they had uh, a very strong sense of guilt. Uh, One uh, former U.S. soldier, after having seen many of his uh, uh, colleagues uh, killed, was so angry he wanted to retaliate and he put uh, explosive into sandwiches and he left at the gate of a village where his uh, companions were killed and he hided himself and he saw children coming out from the village and they discovered the sandwich and enjoy eating the sandwiches with explosive inside when you are mad when you are angry you can do things like that and after having eaten the sandwiches, the children began to yell, to uh, 
cry, and their parents came and tried to help. But the soldier, the American soldier, knew that nothing could be done in order to save these children because the village is very far from the city. And of course, uh, the children died, five of them. When he was back in his country, he could not sleep. The image of five children dying because of his uh, action always came back to him. And any time he found himself in a room with children, he cannot, could not bear it. He had to run out of the room. And he suffered very much from that kind of guilt. And the only person he uh, told the stories is his mother. And his mother said, my son, that is thing, there are things that happen in war. You should not be feel so bad about that. Things like that do happen in any kind of war. But that did not help him. Until he came to our retreat in uh, Santa Barbara. Many uh, war veterans came to our retreat. And we practice listening to them and encourage them to tell us the suffering. It's very, uh, it needs a lot of patience and a lot of compassion in order to, 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 to help these people express themselves. Finally, that, uh, yeah, that, uh, war veteran told us the story. So I had a, a private consultation with him and I said, okay, you have killed five children. But do you know that in the present moment, if you want, you can save five children? Because children are dying everywhere in this very moment, even in the United States of America. They die of various causes. There are those who die just because they lack one tablet of medicine. And if you use your life in order to save uh, children who are dying in the present moment, not only you can save five, but you can save more than five, seven, ten, twenty. You use your life in order to practice uh, compassion. Why do you have to be locked in that uh, prison of guilt? You can do something to neutralize uh, the wrong deed in the past. So uh, he felt better right away in, uh, after the consultation. You can see his trans- the transformation in his face. He said, found a way. He wanted to devote his life to saving children. And what is important is that you make a vow. You make a strong aspiration to save children. And after you have made that vow within your heart, the transformation and healing begins to take place already, even before you can save one child. So that war veteran has done that according to the instructions I gave him. 
and now he is living his uh, life normally and happily. So um, it's good to recognize that we have done uh, uh, bad uh, things in the past. But it's not good to be locked in that kind of uh, in guilt. And we now we know now that in the present moment we are in a situation of doing something opposite. And if we do that, we can neutralize the past. We can even heal the past. We can even go back to the past and and fix the past, because we know how to handle the present moment. And that is why uh, those who know the practice uh, don't have to, uh, to 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 always remain a victim of guilt. Uh, right action, right speech, and right thinking are the way out. And if you adopt the right thinking, right speech, and right action, you are on the path of liberation. And you be, can become a bodhisattva helping other people. And the suffering of the past become a kind of, uh, um, a kind of nutriment that nourishes you. Suffering has become useful. Can I read a question from the sheets of paper? Dear Tang, my father is retiring after 55 years of leading companies. He has decided that unless he can remain a very important person by having a high position, or being affiliated with a prestigious institution, he is, in his words, irrelevant. He does not want to live as a result. He has said he cares about no one and has no interest left in life. I've tried watering his good seeds and spending time with him, but his anger is very deep and his manas is 72 plus years Mm -hmm. strong. How can I help him? Uh, we might help him by telling him to to learn to look deeply into his own uh, person, to understand himself. We are caught, uh, we are usually caught in our notion of self. We are not aware that self is only made of non-self elements, like a flower is made only of non-flower elements. Some, sometimes we notice that we have talents, we have skillfulness and so on. But we should know that these uh, talents, these uh, skillfulness, have come from our ancestors. And when you know that uh, the suffering, your own suffering, and your own talent, your own happiness, have come from your uh, ancestors, you are no longer caught in the idea that uh, all these things belong to you. 
you are no longer very proud of your talent because uh, that is something that your ancestors have transmitted to you. In the Buddhist tradition, when we touch the earth, we used to open our two hands to show that uh, we are nothing at all. We have nothing in us. Everything has been transmitted to our ancestors. There is no, nothing to be ashamed of. There is nothing to be proud of. A self is made of non-self element. We inherit many things from our ancestors. So in that light, uh, we can release everything very quickly. Uh, the insight that self is made of non-self element can be very liberating. And then uh, it, it will be possible for us to see ourselves in our children, in our friends. And we know that uh, the disintegration of this body does not mean our, our end. We always continue. We continue beautifully or not so beautifully. Uh, it depends on how we, uh, we handle the present moment. If in the present moment we can produce uh, thoughts of uh, loving kindness, forgiveness, and uh, compassion. If in the present moment we can say, very compassionate uh, help, helping uh, words, inspiring words. Is in, in the present moment we can um, um, perform uh, uh, beautiful acts of compassion, protecting, saving, and then uh, that is our continuation. We will have a beautiful continuation and we have sovereignty over the present moment. Uh, we, we can make our continuation uh, beautiful or not so beautiful. And if uh, your father uh, have uh, access to that kind of insight, he will change, he will suffer less, and he will have the joy of living. He can see that uh, he is in you, and you will carry him into the future and all his talents, all his uh, experiences uh, are not lost. Uh, you continue to have them, and you will do your best to transmit these uh, qualities in, into the future to your children and, and grandchildren. And, and uh, your father will have the insight of who he, he really is. My question is a bit mindfulness of joy. Um, joy comes with a lot of excitement in it. 
um, especially for me. <laughs> um, and then I wonder if you could explain a little bit more about should we just watch our joy with detachment and not be too involved with it in act? Or, uh, but if we do this, we would be calming it down until it becomes a seed again. So in this case, we would not be um, trying to be, have the good guest, welcoming the guest as long as we can in our li- living room of our mind. And then would this go against the fourth uh, practice of uh, fully diligence you taught yesterday? I'm not sure if I'm clear enough. There is another question. What is the difference between the pleasure sought by manas and the joy and happiness that the individual seeks to bring out? of uh, store consciousness to flower in mind consciousness. Mindfulness uh, make it possible for us to see into the nature of the joy, of the excitement, uh, of the sorrow. In Buddhism, we speak of the difference between uh, joy and happiness. Uh, in joy, there may be still some excitement. And when there is excitement, you are not as peaceful uh, as uh, you wish to be. Uh, in uh, Buddhist uh, terminology, the, the term angla always An and lack always come together. An means peace, and lack means happiness. A true happiness cannot be without peace. And excitement is not yet very peaceful. You have excitement. Uh, Excitement is not happiness yet. And when you are mindful, you see breathing in, I have some excitement. (laughs) And uh, I don't have enough uh, peace, so my happiness is is not really uh, uh, there, uh, nourishing and healing. Uh, mindfulness make it possible for us to look at the pleasant feeling that is there, and we know that this uh, a truly pleasant feeling or not. It may be a pleasant feeling, but it, it may bring unpleasant feelings later on. Like when you, you drink uh, some liquor, uh, there is some pleasant feeling. But you know with your mindfulness that later on your liver will suffer and will present, uh, experience uh, unpleasant feelings that will last longer. So mindfulness make it possible for us to see into the nature of the feeling so that we know that this uh, is a wholesome, pleasant feeling. 
or a kind of pleasant feeling that you bring uh, sorrow and uh, suffering uh, later on. So the key is mindfulness. Uh, we should be nourished by joy and peace and happiness. And if uh, that joy, that peace, that happiness uh, only has the power to nourish, to heal, and that is no harm. We also know that uh, experiencing suffering may help to uh, develop more compassion and understanding. So while we experience suffering, uh, we, uh, uh, we can learn and we really uh, do not uh, suffer. Uh, manas. Manas does not have that kind of uh, mindfulness, that kind of insight. So its manner of seeking pleasure is just an instinct. And manas does not know that uh, pleasure may be dangerous. When you throw into the water a hook with uh, a bait and the fish think that is something very uh, exciting, very delicious, and the fish may bite at the at at the at the bait and get hooked. And sometimes the bait is not a real uh, bait; it is in plastic. It has the appearance of something delicious. <laughs> So mindfulness and insight make it possible for us to see that uh, this is dangerous as an object of pleasure. And you can refrain from being uh, uh, attracted by that uh, object of uh, pleasure. You, you know that you will die or you will almost die if you bite into that object of pleasure. But that is mindfulness, that is mind consciousness in contemplation, in action. But manas, ignore that, because manas is just the instinct. And that is why manas uh, is always seeking pleasure, any kind of pleasure. And manas ignore the danger of pleasure. Manas is seeking to run away from suffering, and manas does not know that suffering can be helpful. And uh, mind consciousness is not manas. Mind consciousness has access to many kinds of seeds down there in uh, store consciousness, and may bring out insight, understanding, in order to bring transformation to manas. And therefore, uh, the practice of mindfulness in order to be in the present moment, in order to recognize all the feelings, uh, whether they are um, painful or pleasant or neutral, and to look deeply into their nature uh, is a very important uh, practice. And we know what to do, 
what not to do and how to deal with uh, this feeling, this emotion in order uh, not to suffer right now and not to suffer in the future. Xin chào thầy um, Con tên Sinh Mai um, my, my name is Sinh Mai or Alda um, Đây là lần đầu tiên cháu được um, uh, Attend cái retreat với thầy Cháu rất mừng um, I'm just explaining that it's my first time on retreat with thầy And I'm very honored and, and grateful um, but the rest has to be in English. <laughs> um, um, so um, my husband and I um, have been uh, trying to conceive a child for for much time. But not very successful. <laughs> Understand that. And similarly, my sister and her husband have recently um, experienced a pregnancy loss. Um, so we've both been experiencing a lot of suffering. And it's just really difficult. It's really sad. Um, because I think one of my highest aspirations is to experience the miracle of um, of having a child yeah thanks <laughs> um, and it's it's just really sometimes very intense emotionally because it's it's the intensity of, of life wanting to continue itself and it just causes such uh, um, a, a deep grievous longing um and it's actually even more difficult because I actually um, practice Chinese medicine and I work in a clinic um, where we deal with infertility. So it's something that I see every day and it's very difficult for me to not water those seeds of suffering. Um, so it, it, is, it is my most sincere intention to... Um, to nourish my healing practice and nourish my patient's healing from the heart of my own experience. And it's from here that I ask um, for your guidance. Someone said that happiness is something that... uh, that... um, that you don't recognize why it is there and that you feel that uh, 
You just lost it after it is gone. And happiness is, can be in different uh, uh, forms. Now we may focus uh, our attention on one thing, uh, and we and we call it uh, the basic condition, the most fundamental condition of our happiness. If we don't have that, and the then then we don't have happiness. But there are many other conditions of happiness that are there, available in the here and the now. And we just ignore them, and we think that only uh, the other object is uh, a true uh, condition of happiness, but now we don't have. Someone uh, looking at you, uh, may recognize all the conditions of happiness that he does not have. And uh, that person may wonder why with plenty of conditions of happiness like that you do not enjoy your life. You are looking for something else. So the practice is first of all uh, to say that happiness can be found, can be touched in many uh, in many aspects. And uh, looking deeply into the human person, we see that the human person wants to continue long in the future. We want to have children, we want to have grandchildren, we want to, to go to the future, to last very long in time. And that is uh, the nature of uh, other animals and vegetables also. Every living thing wants to, to last long, to be continued long into the future, and not just human beings. As someone like uh, myself, a monk, always also has the willingness, the desire to last, to go to the future, to be continued. So that is very normal, that is very human, that you want to be continued, and you want to be continued beautifully. And we know that there are those who have children, but who are not happy with their children, and they prefer, and they said that if they had not given to these children, life to the children, they would be happier. <coughs> you, have to, you have to take into account all these things. I do not have uh, myself uh, 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 blood children, but I have a lot of uh, spiritual children. And they make me very happy. And they carry me into the future. And I'm completely satisfied. I don't need to have a blood child. And that is a way of looking. Transmission can be done in many ways. You want to transmit the best thing you have into the future. And uh, you can transmit uh, yourself uh, genetically or spiritually. spiritually. 
And uh, when you look into my uh, disciples and friends and spiritual uh, children, you can see me because uh, they have a lot of me inside of them that can be recognized very easily. Uh, We are uh, not um, uh, uh, blood children of the Buddha, but we we feel that we are real children of Buddha because we have inherited a lot from the Buddha. He has transmitted himself to us, not by the genetical way, but by the spiritual way. And if you take into account um, these uh, different modes of transmission, you would see that uh, uh, we need not to suffer because he cannot uh, transmit us uh, genetically into the future. But who knows? Uh, Enjoy uh, the conditions of happiness you actually have. And one day you may have that happiness also. But I think that if... uh, if you enjoy this, you may be completely satisfied. Every door is open. Good luck. <laughs> There's a question about depression and medication. Do you tie? who wrote to Tai uh, after Tai spoke about depression and how nothing can survive without food. And they, they wrote either from their own experience or their experience of a loved one or um, a client if they wrote as a psychotherapist. And their experience that sometimes there's also a physiological aspect causing depression and that some of these people truly need to take some kind of medication. And the the friends who wrote were concerned that Thai's teaching could be misunderstood by the people who may still need to have medicine and they may they may stop taking their medicine because they may misunderstand what Thai said and to say that, that there's no medicine that's needed because they only need to stop consuming things that are harmful to their mind and then that's enough. So they asked Tai to clarify. In the teaching of the Buddha, the biological and the mental, they inter-are. They manifest based on each other. Our uh, emotions, our feelings uh, are very connected to the chemicals in our body. And our feeling, our emotion can produce uh, uh, chemicals that will be uh, toxic to ourselves. And the inhibition and uh, these uh, feelings and emotions can inhibit the production of a certain uh, chemicals 
the neurotransmitter functions and that create an imbalance in your body. So the mental can create um, the biological and the biological can have an effect on the mental. So things uh, rely on each other to manifest. Uh, we don't um, reduce the importance of one side. All of us have the seat of depression. All of us. All of us have the seat of mental illness. But if we are in a good environment, this seat will have uh, not much sense to manifest. We have received the genes from our ancestors, our parents. And uh, we know by science that the, gene, the genes they don't, uh, they don't uh, turn on by themselves. They are turned on by our way of thinking, our uh, feelings, our perceptions, and our environment. It is the environment that helps turn on the genes in ourselves, the good and the negative genes. And the genes are equivalent to the bijas, the seeds that uh, we speak about in the teaching of the Buddha. They might be the same. They might not uh, describe it as uh, only mental or only physiological. These two aspects belong to the same reality. Uh, neuroscientists used to ask the question about the difference between the brain and the mind. Is it true that the brain produces the mind? <laughs> is the mind is uh, uh, a product of the brain? How uh, could the activities of uh, neurons uh, bring about the subjective mind? These are questions. But in fact, uh, mind and brain, they inter-are. This is because that is, this is not because that is not. It's like a body and mind. It's not uh, the body produced the mind or the mind produces the body, but mind and, and body are two aspects of the same thing, and they always rely on each other in order to manifest. It's like a coin, a, a, coin, a piece of uh, uh, one euro. There is the, the head and the tail, and without the head, the tail cannot be, and vice versa. So, uh, mind, body are not two distinct uh, entities. They are aspects of the same thing. And the seed of depression that uh, now manifests may have uh, been transmitted to us by many generations of ancestors. There may have been Generation where that when that seed did not manifest, 
But now because of the new environment, the dead seed has a chance to manifest. And that is why we have to take care, take into account the, the element of environment. And iron environment is the object of consumption. Because uh, uh, elements of the environment touch off and turn on the seeds, turn on the genes in us. And that is why the teaching of the Buddha about uh, uh, food is very important. We consume not only the edible food, but uh, we consume only with, uh, also with what we hear, uh, we see, uh, we feel, uh, we touch, and so on, sensory. Impressions, sensory impressions is the second kind of food. And the third kind of food is uh, intention, our intention, our evolution, uh, the kind of deep desire in us. And the fourth kind of nutriment is consciousness. We consume consciousness. If we live with the number of people around us, uh, we consume their way, the collective way of thinking, of uh, perceiving. And, we, and um, in the beginning, we don't see that as beautiful, but because all of people around us think that is beautiful, and then slowly we come to see it as beautiful also. So uh, we are influenced by the collective thinking around us, and that is also consumption. And our depression has to do with all these sources of nutrients of food. And we know that uh, uh, if there is uh, an imbalance within uh, our mind and our body, uh, there may be some uh, disorder uh, in our mind, in our body. And we know that um, chemicals have to do with our feelings and emotions. Our emotions and feelings have uh, uh, connection have to do with the chemicals also. If we used to think, to worry, to uh, uh, to perceive in such a way, and then uh, our body can continue to produce or even uh, overproduce such or such chemicals that will bring disorder to our to self, to our body and mind. Or if we think and do and consume in such a way, we might uh, <coughs> inhibit the production of such uh, chemicals that are essential to our balance. So both uh, aspects uh, are important, and we have to take care of both. Medication may help, but if you count only on medication, you are wrong. 
and doctors and psychotherapists, they know that medication can help and you need medication, but don't rely on medication alone. You have to change your way of life. You have to change your environment. And one day you'll be able to to uh, to stop taking medication. If you don't change your way of life, if you don't change your sources of impression, you continue to use medications. And sometime later, they will not work because uh, your body will be get used to it. Uh, so those of us uh, who are prescribing uh, medication, uh, so those of us who are using medication should be aware that medication can help, but they are not enough. We have received uh, the seeds, we have received uh, the genes from our parents, our ancestors, and uh, we should learn the way to handle these genes, these seeds. Don't give them uh, a chance to turn on if uh, they are negative uh, seeds. And uh, scientists of our time know very well that it is the environment, that it is um, our attention that turn on the genes and the seeds in us. There is a practice called Yoniso uh, Manaskara. Uh, appropriate attention. We focus our attention only on things that will turn on the good things in us. Like uh, when we hear the sound of the bell, naturally, as uh, we are a practitioner, naturally, we stop thinking. We go back to our breathing and we enjoy the present moment. And the sound of the bell help with uh, appropriate uh, attention. They bring out, they turn on the good things. And we should create an environment uh, where the good seeds, the good genes in us have many changes to turn on. As uh, you are in a bad environment, you know that uh, even if you are taking medication, that will not be a, 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 a solution, a long-term solution. So go on and take the medication that you need, but you should do something more. Change your way of life. Look at the source of nutrients. Uh, you are using to feed yourself. Uh, look at your environment to see whether that environment uh, is uh, always turning uh, turning on the negative things in you. And if possible, 
you just change environment. Even if you get to, you need to uh, to live in a smaller house, to use a smaller car, to have a meager salary, but if you can move to a better environment, don't hesitate to do so, because uh, your health depends on on that uh, wise decision. Um, What is the purpose of the life, of life, but not in this life? Um, all the galaxy, why, why we are, why exists the life? That is a philosophy. <laughs> no, it's why we are here. It must be uh, one reason. Uh, this is a chance uh, to discover the mystery of life. Very exciting. <laughs> you have something to discover. You have something to discover, something very deep, something very wonderful to discover. And that, uh, that practice of uh, looking deeply can satisfy uh, your curiosity that is one reason to like to live to be alive to discover discover yourself discover the cosmos and this is a joy that is uh, a chance and you might like to focus your question on how and not to be caught always in the why. How? Um, life is a wonder. Life is a wonder. And we are there to experience the wonder of life. And if we have enough mindfulness, concentration, and then we can get a breakthrough, and get deep into uh, the fact, the reality of the wonder. Uh, life is a wonderful manifestation. Not only the rose is wonderful, the cloud, the sky is wonderful, but the mud and the suffering is also wonderful. So enjoy uh, touching life, enjoy uh, discover uh, the mystery of life and don't spend your time asking uh, metaphysical questions.
Hello. Hello. Uh, my name is uh, Armin. I'm from America, New York slash Massachusetts. Um, so many intense emotions. <laughs> Even here. Uh, as a young uh, person in the crowd and in the world, um, I was wondering how, I guess, how to use, uh, use, use uh, my practice, but also uh, in a way that can be spoken and understood in a kind of a language for other younger people, because uh, you're sharing a very important ancient teaching uh, that has very good practicality in the 21st century. Uh, and I guess, what what would you consider to be uh, a creative uh, language to use? Um, I guess with yourself, but also with other uh, younger people. Because I imagine when you do these talks, you change uh, your your wording for a uh, different age group, obviously. So, I said my question. (laughs) As uh, we look around, we see people suffer. Not only the adults suffer, but uh, the young people suffer. And suffering is a reality. That is the first noble truth. And the Buddha did begin with that uh, remark that there is suffering, there is ill-being in society. And everyone aspires to, to, to suffer less and to help other people suffer less. And that is in everyone. When you have a strong emotion, you are not very peaceful, and you might suffer, and you would like to learn how to handle your emotion in order for you to be more peaceful, to suffer less, and to be okay, to be happy. So uh, we can use uh, several kinds of languages in order to communicate uh, that because we have things in common. We all suffer and we all aspire to suffer less. Uh, We aspire to uh, experience joy and freedom. Uh, It's very important that we practice now, mindful breathing, mindful walking, mindfulness of cooking, of uh, uh, toothbrushing, so that uh, we can experience uh, the joy of living in the present moment. It's very important uh, to learn how to handle feelings and emotions, so we can we will not be uh, victims of these emotions and feelings, overwhelmed by them, and then. Uh, Based on that uh, 
uh, quality of life, uh, we can talk to other young people. <coughs> the foundation is uh, we have some uh, well-being in us. We have some joy, some compassion, happiness in us. And then we uh, naturally find the kind of language in order to share. Uh, when you see a young person suffers, you know that you have gone through that suffering and you are motivated by the desire to help that person to overcome his suffering. So you might invent uh, many uh, skillful means in order to help him or her. And when you are able to help a person to suffer less, to get free, and then you are nourished by that joy. And uh, your life has a meaning. And you, you are somehow a continuation of Lord Buddha. Because Lord Buddha was a young person when he started his uh, spiritual career. And uh, after uh, full enlightenment, uh, he continued to help uh, people, uh, young or less young. And uh, he did not stop until uh, the moment when he, he died. And he took a great deal of joy uh, helping people because his life has a meaning. And his... Uh, view is so simple. There is suffering and there is a way out of suffering. So people suffer in their family, people suffer in their school, people suffer in their workplace. And if uh, you have a practice that helps you not to suffer, and then it's a joy to, to share. And if uh, you are in a group of people, who have the same kind of practice, who have same kind of joy, of aspiration, and then you grow stronger, and your work uh, in the world will be uh, more effective. So, um, sangha building is very important. Uh, form a group of young people, practice the five mindfulness trainings very well. Uh, get the joy and the compassion, and then you will be able to help so many people. And the language, that will come naturally. You know what kind of language you should use in order to, uh, to help. The way I teach Buddhism, the language I use to teach Buddhism is only very different from uh, the former generation. So, for your generation, the language may change further. Uh, and uh, we need uh, the kind of language that can make people understand the practice. And uh, that language should not be overloaded by technical terms. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
Dear Jai, Hello. Um, my question is, how do we forgive someone who we have never known intimately and whom we have no way of communicating for the suffering that they have caused in us? The first step is uh, to help ourselves. Uh, in order for us to have enough calm and compassion and intention to help the other person. Without that, we cannot do anything. Without that, we cannot forgive. When we understand our own suffering, when we are able to hold, embrace our own suffering, when we are able to cultivate our understanding and compassion, and then we are in a position to forgive and to help. And looking into us, we can see the other person. And looking into the other person, we can see in us. We can see deeply in us also. Because that person and, and ourselves, we may share many things in common. That person may not uh, have received love in, in their childhood. That person may not know how to love, how to make the happiness of himself, herself. And that is why uh, that person does not know how uh, to make the happiness of another person. In fact, he or she has done harm to other people around. When you suffer and you don't know how to handle your suffering, you are a victim of your own suffering and you make people around you suffer. That's very natural. And when you see a person like that and uh, you can have compassion on him or her and you don't blame him anymore, you don't blame her anymore, you say that this person is unfortunate. From his childhood until now, no one has helped him. Uh, no one has helped water the seed of understanding and compassion in him. He suffered and he did not know how to handle his suffering. He is a victim of his own suffering and he makes other people around suffer because of his impulses because of his uh, craving and so on. So when you can see a person in that uh, way, compassionate, understanding, you see that he or she is a victim. You don't want to blame anymore. You don't want to punish anymore. In fact, you are motivated by a desire to help such a person. And you become a bodhisattva instead of harboring uh, anger, resentment, uh, hate. Uh, you want to help that person to get out of his uh, or her situation. And uh, looking deeply, understanding suffering, uh, making 
a Bodhisattva vow to help. Now, all these elements help us to forgive easily the other person. Uh, and there are many people like that in the world, uh, making uh, people around suffer, uh, abusing people, uh, destroying the life of people. And uh, if uh, you are a Bodhisattva with a great vow, we can help these people. Uh, locking them into prisons is not enough. Uh, punishing them may not help them. And therefore, we should uh, embrace the compassionate way in order to be able to transform them. And uh, transform them uh, uh, is to help society. Uh, Sometimes we have to lock them up in, in a prison because we want to protect other people. But we should lock him or her in prison out of compassion and transform the prison into an environment when, where he can, he can change. And that is why it's very important to, uh, to train uh, uh, prison guards uh, into bodhisattvas so that they can uh, take good care of uh, the prisoners and help the prisoners to change to change their way of uh, thinking and looking. And that is uh, love as uh, a, a, a prison guard. Now you can be a good practitioner. And when you are compassionate, when you are able to look uh, at the prisoner with uh, compassion, you can see the change in the person of the prisoner. You change yourself first, and you help change the, the other person after. And uh, many uh, prisoners, many uh, people who have done uh, wrong in the past, now are able to practice uh, understanding and compassion. And they turn the prison into a practice uh, center where they got uh, transformation and healing. And many uh, of our practitioners are helping uh, uh, these people in prison in many ways. Dear Thai, dear Sangha, before I came to Vietnam, I um, had the privilege to spend several weeks in Laos, where I was able to um, 
meet with many people who have been affected by the war. As I stood in um, fields, some about this size, which still had a lot of unexploded ammunition, sometimes 40 or 50 uh, bombs, I felt overwhelmed with sadness <coughs> and there was some anger. Speaking to people who uh, continue to be affected, whether it's uh, friends or family who are killed by the unexploded ammunition that exists, or to a poor farmer who's had his leg and arm blown off at a young age, plunging his family into further poverty. I felt very sad. This young farmer said to me that this experience was um, his luck. I find it hard to accept that such experiences can be luck. Is this karma? And is this a time when we can be righteously angry? What is the mindful way to deal with the intense emotions? Many uh, social workers uh, we train in the School of Youth Social Service have uh, died because of bombs and guns, because of assassination. And many of them have lost uh, one foot, one arm. This young lady uh, who got uh, more than 300 of uh, metals in her body that is uh, from a bomb called uh, anti-personal bomb dropped by the American uh, bombers. The doctors helped to uh, extract, to to take out many uh, pieces of metals in her body, but there are still hundreds of them in her body so many and they leave them like that in her body and still she's still alive and she still carry these uh, hundreds of pieces of metals in uh, in her body and uh, when she was in Japan for treatment she could not use a electric blanket because of these uh, small pieces of metal in herself. And they are my own disciples and students. I know that there are many unexploded uh, mines and bombs are still there, 
in Vietnam, in Laos. In and that continue to kill people. And we need uh, to draw the attention of uh, people in the world and uh, ask them to help uh, removing these bombs, these engines of uh, death uh, that are still there in the land, landmines. And that those uh, dedicated people, professionals who are helping. So the essential is uh, to learn how to do it with compassion because that amount of violence, lack of uh, consideration are part of our legacy, our heritage. And we should uh, take uh, the the, the strong vow, the strong aspiration not to repeat uh, that kind of action uh, uh, from now on. But uh, the bombs are not only in the land, they are in the heart of many people now. If you look around, you see that many people, even very young people, are carrying a bomb in their heart. They are ready to die, to punish. And how you can... uh, Diffuse the bomb in the heart of man is a very important work also. How to remove the hate in the heart of so many people. So far the the war against terrorism has not diminished the number of terrorists. In fact, they have increased the number of uh, terrorists. And each of them has a bomb within his or her heart. They are ready to die and they think that they will die for a good cause. They want to punish. And that is why uh, cultivating compassion, helping these people to remove uh, their hate, their anger, is also a work, a very important work. That is also to diffuse the bombs and the bomb that we need to defuse are not only buried in the land, but they are actually alive in the heart of so many people. Looking in the direction of the Middle East, you see the situation is very hard because not only there are bombs exposed on the land, but also the bombs in the heart of many people. Only compassion is the answer to the situation. So while helping to uh, defuse the bombs, whether it is in the land or in the heart, we should keep our compassion alive. To stay sane, to stay uh, uh, alive. And I admire those of us uh, who continue to help removing these uh, death uh, engines in the soil. But I also urge uh, my friends to
to uh, practice in order to help uh, diffuse the bomb in the heart of many people who act, who actually are there around us. We pray the Buddha, we pray Jesus Christ, all our spiritual ancestors who support us in this uh, compassionate action. Uh, we should uh, think of our children and their children. And uh, we should uh, clean uh, the earth. We should clean our heart. Uh, so that our children will have uh, a better place to live. Thank you for reflecting on this. Yesterday, you taught us that we should never give the negative seeds a chance. But I just agree with 90% of that. <laughs> 10% is that, um, is this question. Um, there are p- young people who grow up in a very loving and supporting environment, but when they um, when they uh, they 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 go to big cities or to other countries to enter uh, universities or in their working place, they will um, they will face some really negative pressure and. And the, and the challenge is so big that they cannot deal with it. And my suggestion is that we should kind of vaccinate our mind. <laughs> um, and we should give them a bit of challenge when they are still young so that they can have some kind of, uh, that their immune system is, is, uh, is ready for them. Uh, so, how do you think about it? <laughs> how to? Thầy said sometimes that uh, each of us need a certain dose of suffering, remember? And uh, suffering can instruct us a lot and help uh, us cultivate uh, compassion, understanding. So the art is uh, giving each person an appropriate dose of suffering. With too much suffering, people will be overwhelmed and their heart will be transformed into a stone. 
That is why you have to handle with uh, care, with uh, intelligence. That is the task of parents and teachers. In fact, uh, we cannot grow without uh, experiencing suffering. So to say that uh, don't give uh, a negative seed a chance is uh, just uh, um, speaking in, uh, in terms of uh, the four practice of true diligence. But uh, that should be completed by uh, other teachings and practices. From time to time, there is a CD, there is a mental formation that refuses to be replaced. Even if you have a strong intention to replace the CD, the mental formation is so strong. And if you are a skillful practitioner, you, you would not continue to try to change the CD. You say that you want to stay, it's okay. You accept. The, the CD, you accept the feelings and you embrace it tenderly and you look deeply into it. And that is, um, that is the teaching of Buddha also. To recognize the painful feeling and emotions, not to fight it, uh, recognize it, uh, embrace it in order to get a relief and look deeply into its nature in order to find out all the roots of that feeling and uh, emotions. Because understanding is, um, is uh, the way of liberation, insight. Mindfulness and concentration lead to insight that is liberating. Uh, suffering is there in uh, the context of uh, family and school. And both in family and school, we should learn how to handle suffering. So there should be a collaboration between uh, parents and teachers, between uh, parents and children and uh, teachers and students, because that is the something very uh, urgent to handle suffering and to teach people is first to teach them how to handle the suffering. And this is uh, very clear in the, uh, the tradition of uh, Asia. When you come to learn from a teacher what you have to learn first is the way to behave. Behave with each other and with the teacher. And then after that, you begin to learn how to write or read. Tiếng học lễ, hậu học văn. That is the Vietnamese tradition. You know, you learn ethics first. And then after that, you, you learn 
to write, to read literature, history, mathematics, and so on. So it is possible for us to do that in the context of family and school. Uh, making a living is important, but that is not everything. So uh, parents should show their children that although they are busy uh, making a living for the whole family, but they devote enough time in order to 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 make sure that happiness uh, is there, harmony is there in the family. You can bring home a lot of money, but that is uh, not enough. You have to be there for your partner, your spouse. You have to be there with your children. And their happiness depends on your way of being there around them. So the same thing must be true with the teachers, school teachers. Not only they have to transmit uh, the technical knowledge so that uh, the students will have a job later on, but we have to transform school into a family, into a sangha. Uh, we should devote enough time to being together. And if there is a deep communication between school teachers and children, uh, the atmosphere of school will be um, pleasant. And that helps uh, the learning, the study also to advance easily. So we have to offer retreats uh, to parents, to school teachers, so that they can uh, take better care of uh, their family and their schools. And that is part of engaged Buddhism. Dear Tay, dear Sangha, um, I've been a practicing Buddhist for 30 years, so I understand the practice and the precepts. My question has to do with your intention of offering the five mindful trainings. Do you offer it as, when someone takes the mindful trainings, are they doing it as a person in the larger Buddhist community? Are they doing it as a person in particular to the order of interbeing or someone who wants to practice mindfulness? Uh, 
the practice of the five mindfulness training should be seen as the practice of compassion and love. And speaking in uh, non-sectarian language, well, everyone uh, can enjoy practicing the five mindfulness trainings. They are really the practice of mindfulness. You are aware that uh, if you do such or such a thing, you create suffering to you and to the people around. You are aware that uh, by not doing such or such a thing, you create peace and happiness in you and around you. So that is a very universal. Uh, the five mindfulness trainings are universal in the ethical values. You don't need to be a Buddhist to call yourself a Buddhist in order to practice the five trainings. Uh, years ago, we uh, helped uh, a group of uh, Nobel Peace Prize winners to draft a text called uh, Manifesto 2000. There are six points in the Manifesto. And if you have signed the Manifesto, if you have studied the Manifesto, you see that the six points of, of the Manifesto are equivalent to the five mindfulness trainings. Uh, I think uh, how many uh, hundreds of millions of people, uh, 700 uh, millions of people have signed uh, the Manifesto 2000 issued by UNESCO and including many um, uh, heads of states. The Prime Minister of Vietnam, Mr. Phan Văn Khai, also signed in the, in the Manifesto 2000. But because we are not organized as a Sangha, that is why we don't practice the six points of the Manifesto after having signed it. And uh, the six points are, are presented in a non-sectarian uh, language. It's very good. And I think the five mindfulness trainings also are presented in a non-religious, non-sectarian language. What is the difference is that when you take the five mindfulness trainings in a Sangha, and if you practice with the Sangha, you have more chance to put them into practice. You agree with them, but if you don't live according to them, this you don't benefit from it. Therefore, um, the practice of love, of compassion, of protection uh, uh, provided by the studies of the five trainings can be nourished, can be maintained if you you have a Sangha, if you have a group of people. And you can transform your family into a Sangha, or family Sangha. And you can transform your enterprise into a Sangha, where the uh, director of uh, the enterprise and all the employees practice at the same uh, at the same time, the five mindfulness trainings. And um, your enterprise will be a happy enterprise. And I'm sure that you will make more benefits if uh, you practice five mindfulness trainings because you are happier 
you are in uh, harmony with each other, and you are inspired to uh, to help others, other people. So uh, politicians, uh, uh, business uh, leaders, uh, school teachers, uh, psychotherapists, and others. Uh, when they practice the five mindfulness trainings, when they apply them into daily life, they have the strength of compassion and understanding that are healing and nourishing, and they can have, make the happiness of the people around. And in our tradition, Plum Village, after having received the five trainings, you have to continue to recite them and to study them in depth. Uh, you are encouraged to recite the trainings uh, every uh, two weeks uh, with uh, friends, with uh, your sangha, and to hold dharma discussions uh, on the five trainings in order to learn more deeply the five trainings and find way to apply them to your daily life, to make love, compassion, uh, real, <coughs> concrete, and not just talking and dreaming. And uh, uh, that is why uh, uh, setting up uh, groups of people in your own uh, neighborhood to come together every two weeks in order to recite the trainings together and to hold a Dharma discussion together as uh, how you have, uh, you share how you have practiced the trainings and what kind of benefit you have uh, got and uh, what kind of happiness uh, the people in your family, in your group have got uh, thanks to the practice of the five trainings. And then you share all these experiences of practice and you learn from other people how to better apply the teaching, uh, the trainings into our daily life. Um, it is possible to bring the trainings deep into society. That's truly engaged Buddhism. And you don't need uh, to convert people into uh, Buddhism in order for them to practice the five trainings. They can practice the five trainings uh, as a Christian, as a Jew, uh, as a communist. And um, every tradition has the equivalent of the five trainings. If they go home to their tradition, and uh, go deeply, they will find the equivalent of the five trainings. You are lucky that we have been able to present uh, the five trainings in a very concrete uh, terms, uh, language. And uh, I'm sure that in the future, uh, the way to present the five trainings can even be better. Uh, uh, and um, <clears throat> and more relevant to 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 the time, to our time, also. 
not only the five trainings but the fourteen trainings uh, because you have to be in your time uh, and you have to learn to practice with the language of your time um, to make uh, the teaching uh, continue to be alive one more question Dear Tai, my name is Rogelio. I'm from Mexico. I have a very strong Catholic background, but unfortunately, the way they, uh, I was taught religion was out from fear more than from understanding. So, uh, in your tradition, I like it very much to nourish our and to develop our understanding. But I have to deal a lot with my fear. Uh, tomorrow, I'm planning to take the five monthly trainings, but uh, in the fifth, when I read. I am aware that to damage my body or my consciousness with these poisons is to betray my ancestors, my parents, my society, and future generations. Uh, in Catholicism, when I uh, thought about sins, I was feeling that I was betraying God, that I would be punished. When I read this phrase, it watered my seed of fear. So I want to, uh, your guidance to help me to deal with fear and not... I mean, not to stop my practice apart from fear, but to understand it and be able to move on. I think uh, love and compassion uh, involve uh, responsibility. Because this body we used to consider it as uh, our own. But in fact, uh, that does not belong to us. It belongs also to our ancestors, our parents. And we have to take good care of them. Our ancestors and our parents are still fully alive in our body. That is why uh, um, all our sorrow, all our fears are theirs. All our happiness and joy and compassion are theirs also. And that goes along with the teaching of no self. And although uh, we may be still very young, but our children and their children are already there in us. So uh, we should live in such a way that uh, our children and their grandchildren feel good right now. And that is why the practice of right consumption, mindful consumption, is making our ancestors and our children in us happy right in here and then. Uh, only the, the feeling of responsibility and the insight of no self, this body, 
is the also the body of our ancestors, of our parents. This body is also the body of our children and their children. It's like the planet Earth. The planet Earth does not belong to our generation alone. The planet Earth belongs to our ancestors and our children, our posterity. So handling well the planet Earth is our responsibility. If we do have love, compassion, and then in this present moment, we should know how to handle the Earth. And handling the Earth is like handling our body and our mind. And to poison our mind and our body is to to do damage uh, to ourselves, to our ancestors, to our children, right here, right now. Uh, If we live by the five trainings, we don't need to be afraid anymore. Because the five trainings is a real path, a real spiritual path. Those of us who are fearful because we don't have a path to go. But now we have a very concrete path to go. And in which the path of mindful consumption to protect ourselves, to protect our environment. It means to protect our ancestors and our children. So um, uh, living, uh, practicing the five trainings, we will be free from fear. And uh, there is something I would like to say concerning this. It's impossible to practice uh, perfectly the five trainings. The essential is that you can do your best. Uh, Even the Buddha, I don't think that he can practice perfectly the five trainings. Because the Buddha is a human being like us. When he uh, eats something, even a vegetarian, we should eat with compassion. Uh, We should not be too proud of being a vegetarian. Uh, Our friends are advised to reduce the eating of meat by 50%. That is the recommendation made by the United Nations. We have to reduce the industry of meat by 50% in order for our earth to have a future. So there are those of us who are full of vegetarian, but there are those of us who are still eating meat, and we should uh, reduce at least 50% the eating of meat. When we boil our vegetable, uh, microorganism in it died. So our vegetarian dish is not totally uh, vegetarian. We know that. But it's better than than the other kind of food because uh, we do just we do our best. When we practice walking meditation, we experience joy, peace. But we may be crushing tiny living beings behind it. In the Buddhist tradition, on the rainy season, the monks should uh, stay home in a monastery 
for the rain retreat because they don't want to crush so many living beings under their feet. But in the dry season, they may they may crush also some small living beings under their feet. So you cannot practice 100% the five trainings. The essential is to do our best. When you get lost in the forest during the night, you don't know, uh, you don't have a compass, you don't know how to get out. You may like to use the northern star as a direction to find your way out. If you know that going north, uh, you will get out. But looking at the northern star, you don't have the desire to arrive at the northern star. You need to go north. You don't need to arrive at the northern star. (laughs) So you don't need to be perfect in practicing the five trainings. Nothing, no one can be perfect. The essential is that we have a path, we have a direction to go. And with that direction, that path, we feel much better and because I have a path, there's no reason why I have to be fearful anymore. Đã có đường đi rồi, con không còn lo sợ. Because I have a path, I don't have to to be afraid anymore. Thank you, time is up. Uh, two hours have passed. So uh, we shall have a session of walking around uh, Hoàn Kim Lake mindfully. And the bus will bring us there and we'll do some sitting in the uh, Li Thái Tổ uh, place. And then we will practice walking meditation and share our energy with the city. Uh, so... Um, Every step should radiate peace uh, and solidity and freedom uh, in order to preserve our uh, our peaceful energy for Vesak. Uh, on that day when we go out and work, we should not uh, do shopping <laughs> uh, and get lost or get lost in the city. After having uh, done the walking meditation, we go back to the bus and we drive home to preserve our energy. Uh, after the Vesak, we will have a um, chance to, to visit, uh, but uh, not before. Uh, monastics and lay friends, uh, they are urged to practice um, um, preserving their the energy, the peaceful energy, uh, because we want to use this, the energy of this uh, retreat uh, to bring it into the three days of Vesak. And Vesak will not be an empty ceremony. It will be a very um, um, joyful and um, meaningful uh, ceremonies. Thank you.